This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It had to happen at some point. Yes, Mansfield Town's unbeaten run is over. The Stags' unbeaten run comes to an end at the hands of an old foe. Port Vale, last seen celebrating at Wembley Stadium, now last seen celebrating in the North Stand after knocking the Stags out of the Carabao Cup. But we need to move on, move forward and not look back as we focus on Wrexham in the FA Cup on Saturday night. Everton under-21s in the former Papa John's trophy, the EFL trophy, and today I think a new sponsor trophy. And just look forward, making sure that the long wait for a defeat and the feelings that come with it don't haunt us like Halloween night. As always, come and have your say on your team in the comments. This is the show for the fans, by the fans. This is the Mansfield Matters podcast, where moving on is the only item on the agenda. And welcome to the Mansfield Matters podcast. Hope that you're doing all right and that uh, the disappointment of Tuesday night is not lingering too much uh, on your souls. As always, come and get involved and have your say on your team. We'd love to hear from you uh, tonight. Will the Stags be able to bounce straight back or will this be a staggering knock in our armory? Joining me to discuss all this evening, let's say hello and welcome to our parishioners, albeit in the virtual world. Let's first go to a living room in Sutton in Ashfield and say hello to the voice of the Stags, Mr. Alan Wilson. Good evening, Craig. Good evening, everybody. Let's go to a garage somewhere on the outskirts of Ollerton. It's Nick of Mansfield Town Shirts fame. Hi, Craig. Hi, everyone. And let's go to the man who's been sitting in his conservatory since this time yesterday. It's Mr. Clive Parkin. Good evening. Hey, up my duck. How are you going? I'm all right. And are you all right? Have you managed to uh, have a toilet and have a drink since uh, since last night? Yes, I've got a I've got a camping potty. 
Oh, thank goodness for that. Now, Clive messaged me at uh, 7.31 last night saying, are we podding tonight? It's like, no, it's tomorrow night, like I said earlier today. But, you know, it's an, uh, what I would say, Clive, is it was just you were eager to get on the podcast and talk all about everything Mansfield Town, right? Am I ever anything else? Exactly. And the reason is, of course, Mansfield always matters. So, you know, once you've got through the next hour, Clive, you can go and have a walk about, stretch your legs and everything and uh, go and see the outside world. Because I know you've been sat there for 24 hours waiting for the show to begin because you've refused to move until we did the I've got a bit of a numb bum. Exactly. Well, there you go. Uh, Right. Um, Let's delve straight in to uh, Tuesday night then, Nick. The run had to come to an end at some point. It's just typical Mansfield, isn't it, that it had to be at the hands of Port Vale. Yeah, I think if it was going to be anybody, it was going to be them, wasn't it? But looking at the recent games, but uh, we just went out with a bit of a whimper. I think that was the the main sort of annoyance. But after so many games, you you can't underestimate how hard going 20 games, if you count Colchester last season, unbeaten. um, It had to end anyway. To say, I think 1-0 flattered us. I think they could have had quite a few more than that. Um, But... At the end of the day, we're out of the cut. I mean, I think how gutted we'd be sat here playing Middlesbrough in the last eight. So, you know, there's every cloud and all that. No, you see, um, I don't think I would be. I'd be... I'd no, be going, I'd be... I'd, no, no I'd, I'd be... Well, maybe. But I'd, we don't beat Middlesbrough in cups, do we? We lose 3-2. That's just the rule. Um, but I, th- I thought... Can we, I just we correct just you? Because you're not old enough to remember, but in our glorious cup run in the late 1960s, we beat Middlesbrough 2-0 in the third round. Yeah, I'd, no, that's too too far back for me, that Clive, sorry. Well, yeah, we, we beat Middlesbrough 1-0 away in 87 as well when we won the Freight Rover. We lost so the- there you go, Nick. It's not rough when you're wrong, but you're wrong. If you were born in... in uh, if you're older than 40, then yeah. you'll remember it. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just over, Craig, I'm just older than 40, Nick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Only just. Yes, I remember us in the FA Cup against Middlesbrough in the relegation. Twice. Uh, when uh, that man behind me, Mickey Bolding, got uh, chested uh, he did. by Robert Hooth's boots. He did. He did. So yeah. maybe we had a lucky escape. But it was disappointing all the same, Alan. I think, like Nick said, it was, you know, we weren't beaten by a, a good team, were we? We, we were beaten almost by a, a bit of a whimper. We, we were sort of the masters of our own undoing, backing off and backing off and almost being a little bit too overconfident at times and not really taking the game in our stride as we needed to. It's like Nick said, we, you know, I, I don't mind losing, but when you go out on a bit of a whimper, apart from the last 15 minutes where they had a bit of a go, the, uh, they just nullified us. They did their own work on us again, Craig. I think it's, I don't know whether it's Flickcroft or somebody must be up high there that does the work on us, but they just nullified us. But we did also look a little bit leggy. To me, in my opinion, we we tended to look a bit leggy. Now, whether that was they made us look leggy because of the way they were passing the ball, and they just seemed to be a yard quicker. They got the second ball each time, and it just wasn't to be. Simple as. It was a difficult one. So I agree on the the leggy comment. We made one change from uh, the the Saturday, which was of course enforced with Lucas Aikens uh, out with, uh, well, out injured and unavailable for for that night. Clive, we sort of said on Sunday that he would be a, a bit of a miss, but maybe the sort of two things go hand in hand. We missed him and missed his influence, but we also looked a little bit leggy because we kept with the otherwise the, the, the same ten and didn't refresh it as much as uh, we needed to. And I think that told a little bit as the, the game went on. We were somewhat lucky to get to half-time at nil-nil. I was relieved. 
Yeah, I think we did miss Lucas, but if Lucas had played, we'd have still lost, I think. The um, the team looked very jaded, in my opinion. And um, and one or two other players that we've learnt to be excited by were very anonymous during the game. Um, and that made the difference. They were, they were up for it, no question about that. They were drilled. They'd obviously got a game plan that worked against us. And I have no complaints about the outcome. I only complained I've got about it as a stupid referee and an assistant referee which was abysmal. But there you go. That's another story. Well, it is. And we, we are going to delve into it. So please do keep your comments uh, coming in. We'll address some of the comments uh, later on um, as well. Um, Paul says, heard the wife was having a, a chat with you, Craig, after the game on Tuesday. Hope you was wearing your earmuffs. Um, I'll be honest, it, I had no idea where it was. I'm happy to talk to anyone about stags, but it was lovely to meet Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Beastle anyway. So uh, I hope she enjoyed. Uh, hope the in, she enjoyed uh, enjoyed the night. Other than the result, and it was a pleasure to meet her. I pass on my apologies. I had no idea who she was. Happens all the time. Um, Nick, let's delve into officials because you are the uh, the voice of our officials. Uh, on this uh, podcast. Donna was her name. Apologies, Donna. Uh, you are the uh, uh, voice of the officials on, on this podcast. There's no defending that, is it? Now, I want to clarify one thing. I know she, she, the official will get a lot of uh, flack and I, I want to avoid the sexism part of it because for me, that's irrelevant. But the decision, the offside, when we were clearly onside... That was an absolute shambles. An absolute shambles. Yeah, it was... Um, I think the most worrying thing is that the official in question is a FIFA official. So, And he was a Premier League referee, believe yeah. it or not, Tom Bramall. Um, I, I can see how it happened, but it doesn't make it any better. It was, it was atrocious because I even think the Stags players ran an extra yard to make themselves even further... Uh, advantage because they knew the player was back and I think everyone saw his back. She just clearly wasn't looking. Um, it was one of many bad decisions that that official in particular made down this side, even more obvious because it was right in front of the Stags fans. You know, there was corners, there was goal kicks where um, their players let him go and pick it up and she gave a corner and vice versa. And it was just, you know, they, they, they seemed very quick to make a decision, but they they didn't sort of wait for player reaction on a number of decisions and it was just very strange. It was a really poor decision. Um, I can't think of any worse, if I'm honest, that I've seen. You know, Nick, to be 25 that... yards onside is is is, <laughs> is pretty horrific. Um, Nick, don't you I... think that the real responsibility is with the man in the middle because he has the power to over to override or to ignore, choose to ignore um, Correct. Yeah. His, his assistant. And as an amateur referee... I was used to say to to my assistant, bear in mind these are club players who would normally run in the line. Look, if I, if you give me a flag and I don't, I choose not to take it. I'll gesture to you to say I've seen it, but we're playing on. And it used to work. I don't see any of that now. I don't see any opportunity for so-called professional officials to contradict one another. No, it's almost I, I like think, they're playing to a script. Yeah, I think it's different in that situation because. It's like when I used to officiate, I did end up having my own linesman and you do treat them very differently. So if they put the flag up, you, you do inherently trust them. And this situation, he should have been aware that, that guy was there. It was blatantly obvious the guy was there. Um, and the referee should have been watching it anyway because the players were wrestling themselves to the ground anyway. So I, I, I think he was he was obviously too quick to blow his whistle and then they both realised quite quickly that it was a problem. But It will it be interesting. In I'm place. sure we'll never get to know. But what the assessor in the stand made of it all? 
Yeah, obviously it'll be put down as a as a an error and they'll get marked down for it. But I, I, it is very disappointing, isn't it? Especially when you get better officials, you assume you get better decisions. But and it's I, nothing, that to wasn't, with, nothing to do with nothing to do with agenda either. I mean, no, she's been the time no before and had a cracking game in in previous uh, times, um, and she's she's pretty much uh, um, proved herself as a, a competent official. Yeah, so that, that, that it's decision to do with her being a woman, really. That, that decision isn't the one actually. That, that that is a one-off, and it happens, and everyone makes mistakes. And she absolutely should have seen it, but she didn't. It was some of the poor throw-ins and letting them take free kicks twenty yards further forward. And that that was more annoying to me as a fan than a one-off decision that that they should have got right and got completely wrong. It was the consistent bad officiating. Um, but like someone's pointed out on the side, that you know. We, we could have had a Port Vale fan refereeing and we still, you know, or a Stags fan and we still would have lost. It wasn't, that wasn't the reason we lost, but no, poor no. nonetheless. No. I think it's a good point actually as well, Alan, to not get bogged down in, in that decision too much. The the ultimate thing is, you know, we, we lost to a goal, which we was cheap to give away be, before that. We weren't quite good enough. Yes, the officiating was bad. The point that I was trying to make was that I didn't want it to become a gender thing because there have been, a lot of things, uh, you know, about gender and all of that. that that's not fair because it, a male could have made exactly the same mistake. There was a male yeah. in the middle of the pitch. That, so all of that's irrelevant. It's an official's thing. But I think the po- the other point is also it wasn't – we didn't go on and score from it and then it was pulled pulled back. You know, it's it could have been worse is what I'm saying. Yeah. And also when Flint asked about the question, didn't he get booked? Yes, he but – and I can understand why Flint got booked because it was the manner in which he approached it. He literally legged it over to and basically screamed in the official's face. So I can I can understand why he got the yellow card from it. Whether I guess by the letter of the law that the way he did it is a yellow card, but he's also as captain of the club and of, of the eleven that's on the pitch, also the one who is well within his right to question said decision. So. These arguments you can have about that all day long, isn't there? But I think ultimately we can't be pinned down on um, on that one decision being the difference in in the game. That's you know, that, you know, this question of uh, confront, confronting confronting the referee in an um, in an overly aggressive manner is something that the EFL and the FA have tried to clamp down on, and they've made these rules that says you can only only the captain can can. Uh, approach the uh, the official and the, the next one to come running across to him will automatically get booked they started doing that and then they stopped and if you watch any television any televised game now there's always referees being berated by players so it's that old c word again isn't it it's consistency he chose to book um our captain maybe correctly i don't know um but uh, next time you watch a football game the same thing will happen and nothing will be taken no action will be taken yeah, that's the problem. And there's another whole conversation to be had around this here. Let's have a little look at some more uh, of your comments coming in. Please do keep them coming in. Have your say on your team in the live feed. If you listen to the audio version of this, make sure you come and join us when we're next live. Check it out on social media to find out when we're next going to be on the IntraConnect. Uh, Ross says there was a lot of bad calls. Mark says don't mince, mince words. She was shocking. End of. I agree with that. Um, Chris says, I think that's probably the worst decision I've ever seen. Uh, Matt says, how she didn't see their captain who was on a yellow anyway holding Flint is beyond me. Um, Chris also says, the referee did um, correct her later in the game when she got another one wrong. Uh, Tim adds, uh, the offside was unfortunate, but to be fair to her, 
Uh, she apologised to the bench straight away, something I've never seen before. Mistakes happen, you can see why it was made. Very foggy, player emerges from the floor, white top. My counter argument would be, but that's what, what they paid the money to, to do, to... I'm not having that. <laughs> she should. The thing, the point is, she should have been level with the second rearmost defender, which was the fella on the floor. She actually should have been stood with the fella on the floor. That's where she should have been stood. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Nathan says, "Why do fourth officials even turn up? Because I never know what they do." Uh, big clue. They hold up a big board with some numbers on it. Uh, <laughs> they they Nigel off every now and again. Um, that's about it. Uh, and they're also there in case uh, the referee gets injured, which does happen every now and again. So there you go. Um, Paul says, do these officials need to go back to ref and linesman school? Is there a ref and linesman school? Do you just go on a course at some like business centre somewhere and or just get like pick your whistle out of a lucky bag? Because I, you know, I think some of them have done that. Yes, I, I think, think they've won them a, uh, a party. If you get rather bad, you know, I think they demote you anyway, don't they? You know, they put you like, if you're in League Two, I think they put you into the National League if you get really bad dirt marks. It yeah, they, they, the they promote and, uh, and it's like a league table. There's a league table with yeah. assessor yeah. marks. If you're in the bottom five, for example, they'll promote five from the National League and drop five down, etc. Cetera, et cetera. That's at the highest level, but historically, uh, referees emerged at the bottom of the pyramid by taking on junior league games and then working their way up the pyramid to taking more demanding fixtures on. And all the time, the clubs are giving them scores of competence. And at some stage, then they get independently assessed and get promoted. And it can be a long journey to get to the point where these officials have, have been are at. Um, I know as a, as a referee, I, I left it too late to even think about having that length of journey. Plus, probably wasn't good enough but the the, <laughs> well, the the reality is you know nick's right she had one job to do the, the official had one job to do and didn't do it on that occasion uh, but sadly not on just the single occasion there were lots of things that aggravated people's view of the, of the officials on that day i put chalk it down to a bad day at the office the next time this individual officiates they'll do a better job i'm sure and to be fair, the reason that Clive never made it is because he always turned up 24 hours early, uh, which is very accurate. Um, I think another thing uh, as well is, Alan, uh, we were at an evening last season when uh, we, they sort of did the evening with, and it, I think it was Ollie Hawkins, James Perch, and I can't remember who else was there that night. Um, but they were talking about referees because we were going through the same thing of poor decisions. And uh, Perch himself, obviously nearing retirement at the, at the time, yeah. was actually, would he ever go on to be a referee? And he made a very good, valid point that why would you be? And also the process of getting there just takes far too long. Yeah, he did. He made that point. It was David Sharp and Nigel, the, the other two that were there. Mm. And uh, yeah, he did. He made the point uh, fair and square. He said, it's not for me. And he, he you know, he delved into the reasons why. There's a lot There's a lot of uh, non People that's you know given up playing that sooner go into coaching or management or something. You can't blame them for that. There's there isn't any real ref. fast tracking, is there, to get to the senior referee level, and that's probably not a bad thing. But it does mean that it's the uh, enthusiastic amateur that goes through the ranks to become an official, uh, and, and in some cases they don't have that material understanding of the game that only a player who's made a living out of the game perhaps can bring. But that's pretty true pretty much true across the whole uh, 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 level of officialdom in football i don't think it's peculiar to our league or even to the british league i think it's it is the the case everywhere 
Keep your comments coming in. Richard says their defender was so far back in play that the assistant clearly didn't uh, see him. Uh, although she was obviously not watching the game, but the ref should have overruled. And then to make matters worse, Flinty gets booked for pointing out the glaring error. Um, Ross says, I think the amount of poor decisions lowered morale and seems to be against us all game. Um, keep your comments coming in as well. Well, um, Chris says, as bad as the officials were, we just weren't good enough on the night. And yeah. I think, uh, Nick, that that is probably the the point which we need to focus on. On really, we've been on such a good, solid run. Twenty games, yeah. like say, if you stretch it back to to Colchester at the end of last season. Uh, some games we've not been good enough in, but we've got away with it, and we've not been punished for it. On Tuesday night against League One opposition, who were on a bit of poor form prior to that game, they'd only uh, they'd not won in six and only scored one goal in in six as well, and slumped I think from third in the table down to uh, to 18th, including a defeat against their former manager um, as well on home turf the, the the game before. In some respects, maybe we were a little bit arrogant towards it and thought that the game was was won before we'd even kicked a ball. But the fact is, we got caught out and we weren't good enough and. We have to address that more than we have to address the officials. Yeah, I, I think the biggest difference, I thought, was that they looked like they were playing without any fear or any consequence. And I don't know why we would play with any of that, but they looked like they had nothing to lose and they'd lost a few games in the league, a bit of a free hit away from home. They could just go and, and, and play football against a lower league team. And I think they just played us off the part, didn't they? We, we were a yard. They, they were a better team. But the other thing is they weren't carrying with them a 19-game unbeaten uh, rucksack. No, you well, know, that, I think sometimes when you've got that to protect, it's a, it's an added responsibility that you could do without. Yeah, I think that 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 made part of the difference. I think they played a lot freer than we did. Um, I think my biggest, I suppose, one praise I do want to say was how good Lewis Brunt was. I thought he was fantastic. I thought he marked Ikpiazu, yeah. if I say his name correctly, out the game. I thought he, when he played us last time, he battered us um, for Middlesbrough. Obviously, a completely different side, but. Um, I thought Brunt managed him really well. I thought he he went on to Brunt because he wasn't going to get anything out of Flint and then proceeded to get absolutely nothing out of Brunt all game, which I thought was a um, a real positive for, for, for a young man of, of his inexperience to play like that. But then I think as soon as it went transitioning past the midfield, it just went nowhere, did it? And it kept coming back. Uh, the, the centre of midfield was the poorest it's been, I think. We looked kind of lost. And I, I did see an average map of where we were in terms of where the players were. And we were literally in a bank of almost six and then two and then two players. I think it was Keeler, Dawn and Swan, whose average pitch map was literally on top of each other. Um, and I think that was half the problem. It just, as soon as it went beyond the midfield, it just got lost. Um, and uh, I think it was very similar to Warsaw. I don't think we played particularly well against Warsaw, but they weren't a very good team. That helped. Um, but I think we just got found out by a side in a better league who have got Premier League loanees who were very good. Yeah, and that six-game run they, they had without a win, they were missing a lot of those players as well, and they got players back at the, the right time. And I think, quarters, I think like Nick's just said there, I completely agree. I said it on Sunday, actually, that we weren't at our best against Warsaw, but got away with it. Yeah. Um, I did sort of feel during that game on, on, on Saturday that our midfield wasn't at it, wasn't good enough in terms of like being physical and, and doing what we need to do. Almost like we need a Kieran Wallace in there. Bring him back. I'm going to start the campaign now. Um, keep your comments uh, coming in. Uh, interesting one to ponder, though, this from Mark Allen, uh, who says, Tuesday proves that a lot of capital is needed to improve the quality of the squad should we go up. I, I can see why that comment's been made. I don't necessarily agree with it because I do think that we've we've got what we need 
I think probably 90%. We do need to add that te little 10%. But I just think there were certain other factors on in Tuesday which can can get there. And I guess that also, when you do lose after a while, and it's against Port Vale, who've obviously got that thing with Wembley, and you're disappointed not to get to the quarterfinals and all of that stuff which, which goes with it. There's a little bit of frustration. But I still think that we are capable of competing against those sides with, with what we've got. We just need to learn more and than that. Uh, sorry, Craig. I think the proof will, uh, proof of the pudding will be in the eating. You know, come uh, Saturday night, it all depends how we uh, bank up against them. Depending on whether Aikens is fit. I mean, there are rumours that he's had a fractured eye socket. Now, if that's the case, that's not looking very good at all. But uh, on the other hand, uh, like Nick said about uh, he thought about Brunt in his interview after the match, his man of the match interview. Flint said exactly the same to Chris Revel. He says, I, you know, I'm, I'm standing here under false pretenses, if you like. He says, I would have given it Brunt, which is, uh, you know, fair play to the lad himself. But yeah. no, I, I don't particularly agree with what uh, Mark said. I mean, everybody's got their own opinion. But uh, I think they're good enough. Maybe one in the transfer window, if needed. But I think it was just one of those nights, regroup and see what happens Saturday, because they'll certainly be bouncing on Saturday and they'll be ready to play us. Especially after be a different game altogether on Saturday, Alan, won't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Richard in the comments says, some Port Vale fans were surprised at how poor we were as they'd seen as Batternots County were expecting a similar performance. Mm. Uh, Chris says, completely agree that Brunt was our best player uh, on the night. Flint spoke upstairs after the game and said the same, like Alan's just said. Uh, Peterborough and Port Vale were a class above, says Tim. League One is a big gulf. Uh, and uh, also... Uh, we've had a comment about the, the Kieran Wallace thing. Just listen, it was a, like someone had a go at Neil McKenzie the other day, right? I'm not going to have it. Kieran Wallace is, is almost same same uh, same level. Um, keep your comments coming in. Uh, Carl in the comments, Clive says, personally think Saturday against Wrexham will be harder than Tuesday. They will have sold out. Our ticket sales don't seem to be as well as Port Vale, the Port Vale game. And with the whole Hollywood thing, They'll be massively wanting a long cup run. They will be wanting a massive uh, cup run because we saw it on the documentary. If anyone's watched it on Plus or FFX or whatever it is, um, they have, you know, put emphasis on having a good cup run. First year back in the league, they had a good FA Cup run last season. They'll be wanting um, the same again this season. With us having lost our first game, you know, we do need to step things up and, and, and bounce back. So I do actually fear, Clive, that if we don't get a result on uh, on Saturday night against Wrexham, it could take us longer than what we think to, to get back to uh, to winning ways. This is the prime time to show that this Mansfield town side, when we do lose, we're going to come back standing up, swinging both fists. I'm absolutely confident we will do exactly that against Wrexham. I think Wrexham have got failings of their own. Certainly they're porous at the back. Uh, their potency at the front is somewhat uh, limited because of injuries and suspensions at the moment. So I think we're in a decent position. It'll be League Two football against a League Two footballing team. In League Two, I think Mansfield is up there with the best in terms of a, a quality of football in, uh, uh, being played. Uh, but it does require our, centre, our midfield to play better than they did on Tuesday night. There's no question about that. Um, but it'll be a different game. I don't think Wrexham will come with the same... Uh, game plan that Port Vale did. And if we do lose to Wrexham in the FA Cup first round, so be it. You know, let's concentrate on winning this league or at least getting promoted. Um, nice. 
I, but I, you know, I, we all enjoy a cup run, but sometimes it can be it can be damaging. But uh, let's go for a win, of course. Yeah, I, I say I completely agree with what Clive's just said there, Nick. But I just think that, that you know we've had this fantastic run, we've had this great run in the Carabao Cup as well, got as further as we ha- have done for many a season that any of us can uh, can remember in recent history. And we didn't get that big tie, we didn't get that big game, we didn't get that reward. And the only chance we've got to get there now is the FA Cup. So. I think there's a little bit of, of, of that in there as well for me that I want to see as rewarded. There's no reason we can't get past Wrexham. There's no reason we can't get past anybody in, uh, in in round two. And then round three, you know, there's much more bigger teams in there than what there is in the, in, in the Carabao in terms of getting that, uh, that, that, that reward. We do deserve a reward, don't we? Um, yeah, we do. We do. Just, just the washing those draws back is... Give me PTSD, the blooming Port Vale draw, the Wrexham draw. You stay up all night and you get that tosh driveled out, but never mind. Um, yeah, I'm a bit with Clive on this one. I'm a little bit like, am I that bothered? If we'd have, if you'd have picked one of the three games to win, I would have picked Warsaw a million times over. Um, and Salford going forward. And Salford, especially if you could pick one of the next three, it would absolutely be Salford over these two. But I get it. You don't want to lose two on the bounce because two very easily does become <laughs> three and four. And Nigel Clough seems to be because I've done a hell of a lot of research for shirts and stuff, and I've been looking at fixtures, and you do see with Nigel Clough, we have a lot of patterns. We will win a lot, but then we switch and lose a few. So I do agree with you completely, Craig, that we don't want to lose two in a row, and then all of a sudden you're out of both cups in four days, and and you're going on to Salford having lost two in a row. So I'm a bit sat on the fence with it. I'd be more than happy if you changed a few players round. I don't think we need to be, because we're playing Tuesday night again, aren't we? This is in the Bristol Street Rovers Body Shop Challenge or something, isn't it? Now, it's yeah, cool. it's they've replaced the pizza with a car. Which <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you get money off a Bristol Street Motors car every week because you did the pizza. You can't get a stuffed a stuffed crust <laughs> fiesta though, can you? That's the problem. So. You get stuffed. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't know. I'm a bit on the fence, Craig, on that one. I, I completely understand the merits of both. Um, I've got a feeling we might lose, but. I'd, that's, I that's don't think there'll be as nothing. much pressure on us, Nick, as, as it they, was they, on Tuesday. No, right? but they can't be as bad as they were when they played us. The only good, decent player was the fellow in luminous yellow between the sticks. The rest of them were pretty bang average. I imagine they won't be as bang average this time. Listen, I'm supposed to be the pessimist on this show. Sort yourself out, Nick. Come on. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about some uh, positive news in terms of returning players. We'll have a look uh, ahead at squads for the next two games. As uh, Clive rightly said, we've got Wrexham in the FA Cup on Saturday night. And then Everton under-21s in the Bristol Street Motors Papa John's Milk Cup on uh, Tuesday evening uh, as well. Then Salford next Saturday. And then Burton Albion the uh, following Tuesday night in, uh, again, the Bristol Street Motors uh, left trainer. Uh, Craig, it augurs well because we've won the trophy when it was involved in the motor trade. This is a Freight Rover trophy. So maybe that's that's a sign. And yeah. we were sponsored by Evanston's Ford, so maybe we need to uh, change our sponsor to like you know some local garage. No, no. Technically, you know, we're sponsored by One Call Insurance, and they do yeah, cars. they do cars. The, the link that's you true. There. Well, no, we're not. We're sponsored by One Call Insurance with a few letters missing. If you look at any of the one call, sure. <laughs> yes, yeah. Sure. Like that. <laughs> right. What do you lot think about a new chant for uh, when we do win uh, the uh, the? the Bristol Street Motors Cup in 2024. I'm going to hit this button and we'll be back in 15 seconds if you're watching it and about 30 if you listen to the audio version. Don't go anywhere.
You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, lads, I've got it. In 2024, we run the Brum Brum Corp. <laughs> I'm, no? not, I'm not certain. I think it needs a bit no. of Alan Wilson in there. I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> no. Okay, I'll leave it to those who are better at chanting than uh, than me. Uh, welcome back to the Mansfield Matters podcast, the show for the fans, by the fans. Um, please do continue to get involved in the comments in the live feed. Right, uh, let's talk some positives from Tuesday night. Obviously, we lost uh, for the first time in however many uh, games. It's felt like an absolute lifetime. But, Alan, uh, two positives. We saw the return of Reese Oates and... The return of the Mac. Yeah, quality. I uh, when Reese came up, I shook his hand. I said, "Nice to have you back, Reese." It was lovely to see him back, and he he put his heart and soul into whatever he did as well. You know that lad hasn't changed. It it can only bode well, you know, because it, it looks good, providing they don't overdo him. There's yeah. no need to overdo him. Okay, well he came on for a purpose on uh, Tuesday night, but don't overdo it. Let uh, the lad come back in his own time. That is the critical thing, what Alan has just said there, Nick. It's don't overdo it. Nigel Clough said after that, the physio said he could only do half an hour and they stretched him a little bit. There'll be a lot of people now thinking, well, if Aikens is out, let's get Oates back in. Let's rush him back. Let's, let's, let's get him back in. Let's explode that straight away. We have to be cautious. And let's be honest, keep him on the bench for the Wrexham game and we start him against uh, Everton under-21s. Give him 45 minutes and see how he is. Let's... Slowly, slow, softly, softly, catchy monkey, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think we need to. Uh, I don't think we need to rush him, do we? we? We've got enough players. I know up front we're struggling a little bit, but you know we've got Swan and Gale. There's no need to be playing Oates from the start. I was quite surprised he brought him on. Actually, I, I thought he might have given him a bit less time or brought others on, but um, he he lifted the whole team when he came on. I thought the, the game changed yeah. a little bit, especially yeah. with Macker as well. I thought it's a bit like the Stags of old from a couple of seasons back. It just sort of changed the. I think we had a bit of a direct running threat, which we hadn't had all game. All of a sudden, he came on and was running at players, albeit his touch let him down a little bit, but he's going to be a bit rusty, isn't he? Um, and I thought he, he changed the game um, what, for the positive. But like you say, don't don't go and start him on Saturday. And what we did do, Alan, in that little switch when we brought Reese Oates on as well, I'm sure this would have delighted you. We got DKD back in the hole. Yes. Yeah, where he belongs. And I think he looked a bit lively. He looked a bit... I think he was one of the ones that uh, looked a bit leggy to me to start with, but it looked a bit more lively when he, he went back where he needed to be. And I thought Macca looked good as well when he came on. He was very positive, you know, going forward, and he put a couple of decent balls in, which is something that we haven't done all rest of the game, especially Mr Gale. Yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting one, Clive, for me, what happens down that left-hand side, because C-Mac, Callum McDonald, has been... 
great for me. I think he's he's been a, a superb addition. He's grown week upon week upon week. The obvious the, the change was, you know, just to try and get a bit of pace on and to try yeah. and up a little bit. I don't think it was anything to do with how he was playing. There's a real opportunity to potentially look at um ch- uh, at pushing uh, Callum McDonald or Stephen McLaughlin into that left side midfield role as well, mm-hmm. isn't it? Five, you know, to occupy that. Stephen Quinn gap and give what we've been lacking a little bit, which is that physicality, that aerial strength, that aerial battle. Well, if you're going to play both Callum and uh, Stephen, you've got to do one of them in that slot, haven't you? Um, otherwise, you, 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 you're duplicating where you don't need to. Um, but I, I'm with you at the moment. I just think that we should have learned the lessons of last season. Don't bring injured players back too quickly simply because they want to play. They should only be allowed to play if the if the club is absolutely sure they're ready for it. And uh, I think if Steve McLaughlin got a really bad bang on his on his leg again, we might not see him play again. Yeah. And likewise, if Reese Oates collides with a crossbar or something, um, <laughs> be quite be quite clever, but um, it would set it would set him back a little. Anyway, in 20, 2024, we got up off the floor. I won the Bristol Shield. We love this stupid contest because we are Mansfield. I mean, it rhymes, but it's... <laughs> hey, listen, I've been up all night. Yeah, well, I know. you can tell. You can tell, dearie me. Uh, Nick, bring some sense back to proceedings, please. Let's look at the next uh, games. Uh, if we can, obviously, Wrexham uh, on, uh, on Saturday night. I think it'll be a very similar team um, than, than what it's been the last few games. Uh, because I don't think anyone's done that much to to, to miss out. I think, um, depending on the, the aching situation, it'll be interesting to see who he goes with uh, with up top, whether he goes with uh, Gale and Swan, whether he goes with DKD up there with, with Swan or Gale and, and Maris in, in behind. But I think it'll be as we've been, because I don't think Nigel Clough will, will want to change too much. So I think he'll want to give the opportunity for people to, to, to bounce back and to show that we do deserve to go on another run. Yeah, I think he's probably got Tuesday night in mind as well, that he's got to play players in the, um, like we say, the, the car dealership of the week, Cup, whatever it's called. Um, we've got to, like, I want to see Boateng play. Every time he comes on, I think Boateng makes a difference. And I know, you know, you're in the Kieran Wallace fan club, which has a, a bitter rivalry with the Boateng um, ultras. Um <laughs> I don't know what you what, what they're called. How solid would be now if we'd have kept naughty? Well, <laughs> God's sake, Paul Black. Um, but I, 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 I do, I do like Boateng. Um, and I'd like him. I'd like him to play on Saturday and just give him a bit of a run out. I don't know how you change the team much, really, because we've we play a lot of central midfielders, don't we? In the four-one-two-one-two that we tend to play. Um, but. You know, Alan, Alan's got his hand up. He wants to come on. So we can play Alan up, up top. <laughs> now, I was just thinking, Mr. Johnson, right back, put Barry up front where yeah. he belongs, One give him a chance. That. One match only. Give him a chance and put the swan at the side of him. Yeah, swan That's swan needs somebody it. else with him who's not DKD because we kept humping balls up yeah. high. Leave DKD Dog's head, where he is. Which is ridiculous. I know it means you have to drop somebody, you know, whether it be Marius, Clark, whoever. I'd give Keeler Dunn a rest, I think. Yeah. Somebody somebody will have to give if he goes that way. But at least Jordan can head the ball. He can do the flick on. He's got pace. He can hold the ball up. He's got every attribute that you need. And I know 
okay, Craig, I know what Craig's going to say, but it's just an option, Craig, because where do you go otherwise? You put Maris up front or DKD up front, and it just doesn't look right. I'm not for a second disagreeing with you. I fully oh. agree that Barry deserves 90 minutes in his natural habitat. But I'd the, give Aaron Lewis a rest if it was me. But the realism of the Bowery up front scenario is the more likely scenario is Aidan Flint will go up front and Jordan Barry will play centre back. And if anyone thinks that that's preposterous, <laughs> have a look at how we've played in the last three years under Nigel Clough. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, yes. Just a Yes, uh, there's, uh, Mark says there's no way DKD can be rested. Did anyone see uh, Swansea scouts in the Upper West? They're not watching Botang for sure. Um, Clive, you were saying there about giving Aaron Lewis... Uh, Aaron I think Aaron Lewis has been particularly anonymous in the last couple of games. Um, he, I, I look to him to bring a bit of influence um, and it's not there at the moment. Uh, apart from his miracle goal at Accrington, I just struggle to think where he's made a big impression on a game so far. He looks the part. He's, he's obviously fit enough to do the job. He's just not providing what I think we we expect from him. I have not, I'm not having a go at that. I like him a lot, but it's just that's my view. And I think in a, in a game where the midfield in general played poorly, I'm not. I don't want to pick on him particularly because Maris had a poor game and, uh, and and others. You know, DKD was pretty much ineffectual. But that was partly because we were pumping high balls up to our midgets at front, up the front, and that's not the way forward. But I think uh, we do. I think it's worth experimenting. We do need to take some one of the midfielders away to allow that to happen. Whether that's brave or foolish, I don't know. But if you played Barry up, sorry, Craig. If you played Barry up front, Johnson and Lewis together again they were formidable last time you just never know give it John a chance johnson and lewis will play together again but just with jordan bowery to the left of callum of callum johnson uh and a big aiden flint up, up top leading the line um one thing i'm quite looking forward to because I'm, I'm relatively sure that he'll go with this nick on um on on tuesday night obviously we'll give it'll, it'll completely change change it those who don't play saturday will play tuesday so you'll know the team for tuesday pretty much by um, Saturday by Saturday evening. Um, one player I think he probably will play is that of Mikhail Abdullah, who uh, played last time. And when he does that, he um, he he changes it to a four-three-three, a flat four-three-three with Abdullah one side, somebody in the middle, and then Gale on the left. Now I know that Mark in the comments has constantly tried to get us to talk about James Gale. I've been waiting for now to talk about it, and I actually think. That when we play that 4-3-3 and he goes to either side, I actually think Gail becomes a far better player because he does a lot of tracking up and down the pitch. His heat map must be absolutely on fire. And I think that actually, I'd actually quite like to, to see that with Abdullah one side, Gail the other, and Oates going down the middle, which I think will probably be the likely scenario on Tuesday night. Yeah, Gale's an interesting one, isn't he? He's come on in a couple of games I've been to, like Accrington. I thought he was brilliant at Accrington in games like that. I mean, he might even have started at Accrington, I can't remember. Um did, but yeah. last 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 <clears throat> this week, say last night. This week he was he was extremely poor, wasn't he? His decision making was awful. Albeit we have players who are in their mid thirties who've been playing for twenty years and are awful. Um if he plays on the wide side, he has to improve his delivery because that's probably his weakest part. His best part, I think, is his tracking and his running, and he, you know, and his general just being a bit of a nuisance. But his end product is is needs to improve, obviously. But that'll only come with experience, I guess. You can't you can't not play him 
and then say, well, he's rubbish because you've got to play him and give him the chance to get better. We can't, yeah, you can't have both, you can't make both ways. You can't say he shouldn't be playing, but his delivery is terrible. Well, he's, yeah, the only way he's ever going to get a good delivery is by playing. So let's, let's either commit to him and play him or not. One or the other. Uh, Mark, Mark's just said in the comment there, but he can't cross. But for me, his job is not to cross. Yes, all right, before you shoot me down, he's playing in this scenario wide left, wide, which means people perceive to be the player who crosses the ball. But his job is, and this is what he does superbly well and where he's, he's really, really done well, his job is to press, to track and to press and to bring other people into play. And when he does that, he does superbly well. And that's when you have players made up from your midfield who are there to do that, to carry on that link, to make those crosses. That's why you have Callum McDonald pushing forward. That's why you have your Ollie Clarks your left-side midfielders, your George Marish, your DKD, to get the ball into the box. His job is purely to press that side and to track up and down and cover and break up play and really do that. Um, Mark says Colin, Lark Colin Larkin was a presser and could cross and pass. Yes, but Colin Larkin, when he was at Mansfield, was also further down these lines in his career. You've, you, you know, you, I get your argument. I get it. I understand. I understand it. But also, I think, I think from our point of view, is a young player who we've bigged up, we've bigged up and we've bigged up. And what we've done so often as a club is throw these players in and not develop them. I also agree with your comment about which is why he should be loaned out. Absolutely, he should be loaned out. But the likelihood that he's going to get a loan now at this point is slim. And what we need to do in order to loan him out is bring another player in because we can't afford to let him go out. So we've just got to be patient with him. And I think what we have to do as a club and a management, Clive, is look at ways in which we can get the best out of him because sometimes he's coming on and performing roles which don't necessarily suit him. And for a young player trying to develop, you need to adapt to them rather than to get them to adapt to you in order to fulfil their strengths, in my opinion. I think we have to keep reminding ourselves he's a player for the future, not necessarily the, the rounded player we want for today. Um, but we are, in the absence of Oaks being available, we are bringing him into play a little bit more than perhaps the club intended. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's it's a fair criticism of these crossings, Paul, but it, I have to say our crossing as a team in the last couple of games has been very disappointing, you know, and, and that, that, that worries me because it's, it's making opportunities we then wasted must frustrate the arse off club. I'm going to say... They've also, you know, making the point that they play him extra times, you know, because Swan's not doing the business at the moment. You know, once if if and when he starts, because I do believe he will eventually, but it's when. He just needs a goal and he's so low on confidence. That he is. But, you know, that about me, why, you know, they're having to push Gailey because everybody's doing a bad game. Okay, he didn't do that well when he came on on uh, Tuesday night. But before them, I think, it, you know, Quite a few times when he's come on, he's, he's done reasonably well. Certainly uh, has. Keep your comments uh, coming in. Have your say on <laughs> your team. Um, before we go to uh, podcast predictions, final words um, uh, on Tuesday and, and, and bouncing back. Um, and we're talking about Swan as well. Uh, Mark says, agree, Reece Swan, apparently having a pre-match injection uh, in uh -huh. the anywhere near fit, which says a lot. And sometimes, Nick, we, we as fans don't get to know this information. No. Sometimes it, it filters through and it's sort of second-hand. You don't know whether it's true or not. It's that clarity, isn't it? We'd love 
the, the club just to be a little bit more clear. But there's a danger in doing that as well, isn't there? Because it also alerts the opposition to it. Because I know what I'd do if I heard that information. If I was a defender, I'd be standing on his foot. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. But if he's got an injection in his foot, don't play him. Simple as that. Play Gail instead. I, I, we don't need to be playing players who have got injections in the foot. I'm sure we don't if we don't need to. But I, I understand players probably play with injuries more than we know. But like you say, if we get told a bit more often, then, you know, there's a fine line, isn't there, to tread yeah. between telling us everything yeah. and telling us nothing. You know, like the Danny Johnson situation, we knew nothing and everyone was speculating every two seconds. You know, we've got a situation with players who tell us at the end of the season, oh, I've been injured for 10 weeks, but I've been playing. Well, if they told us, maybe someone would cut them a bit of slack. You don't know, do you? So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a fine line. But, um, yeah, Swan does need to book his ideas up a little bit. Right, well, there we are. We're 47 minutes in, which means it's time for one thing and one thing only. And because it's the first podcast of a new month, you also know what else it is. It's update time. So will they win, lose or draw? And what will be the score? It's the guessing game that brings you zero fame. But to be the best, you must outguess the rest. So will they win, lose or draw? And what will be the score? In the League or Cup, you just make it up. Because they're just works of fiction. It's podcast predictions. Will they win, lose or draw? Right, before we get started with predicting for the next couple of games, uh, let's have a little update on the league table, shall we? Honourable shout-outs to players who are on the board and who have scored points. So I'm not going to do all of you, but I'll pick a few of you out. Uh, in the one-point club, we've got Mel Chatlock, Mark, Supermel, Dennis Sims and Tom King. In the double-figures club, we've got Nathan Edge, Matt Green, not that one, Sam Payton, Darren Woods, Proud Stags, Taxi Pete, Joe Dalman, Mitchell the American, Roger King, Paul Broomhead, Keeley of Her Game 2, Mark Lapko, Adam Crump, Richard Spencer, uh, the Craigs, Foster and Vincent, and Priest, a Wilson in Marie, a Pound in Stephen, Sarah Stonick, Kiwi Stag, Kathy Holmes, Tim Phillips, David Shetlife, a man who collects shirts, Stephen Yule, Simon Wilson, another Pound in Will, and there we go. If I've not mentioned your name, Maybe you've not scored. Maybe you're less than 10 points. But are you in the top 10? Let's find out as we go through that top 10 to find out who is leading the way on podcast predictions at the start of November. Right, let's start off with the Mansfield Matters group, shall we? In fifth place on 12 points, it's the man who was the podcast predictions king before he had kids. It's Mr. Nathan Edge. I'm then in fourth on 26 points. And since Nick has remembered to fill it in via the link in the description, he's now on 31 points. So... I forgot twice this month, though. I'm going to add that into there. I forgot two games I've missed this month. <laughs> well, maybe if you'd, if you'd remembered those two games... You'd be ahead of Cam on 33. I would. In second place, because in jumping first on 41 apiece, it's Alan and Clive. What about top 10 in general, though? I think Nick Felton was leading the way at the start yeah. for October. But is he still leading the way 
at the start of November. In 10th place, 34 points, Will Pound. Joint ninth on 35, Otley Staggs, Cam Felton and Chris Ellison. In 8th on 36, it's Staggs Chat, whilst in 7th on 37, it's Ashley Mutter. Alan and Clive occupy 6th with 41 points, whilst JS is in 5th on 42. Mrs. Trump, thanks to a perfect score in the Warsaw game, predicting 2-1 win and Bowery Man of the Match, getting 16 points, is now in 4th on 47. Whilst in 3rd, it's a two-way tie between Ben Swain, our podcast predictions mathematician, and, of course, Fathead, the Illuminous Fathead, on 50 points apiece. And then we've got Steve Nadin and Nick Felton. One is on 52 points. The other is on 58 points. But who is in first? And who is in second? Only I and Ben Swain know at this point. Alan, who are you saying is in first and second? I would go Nick first. Clive, who's in first, who's in second? Uh, Nick. And Nick, is it your namesake or is it, is. it Steve? It is. You think Nick is leading the way at the top? I reckon so. Oh, I'd really wish I'd put a half points in for all of you because I'd have rumped up the league table there. In second <laughs> place on 52 points, it's Nick Felton. He's fallen from grace. I'm sure Cam will be delighted. And in first place, with 58 points and leading the way at the top, it's Steve Nadin. Well done, Steve. Well done, Steve. You are the <laughs> predictions leader at the start of November, but will you be there in December, where I can exclusively reveal that we will be doing some points add-ons in December? Because it's Christmas, it is the season of goodwill and all of that. But for now, make sure you get your guesses in via the link in the description. Let's do podcast predictions for the next two games. And we start with Wrexham, of course. Uh, Alan, Clive and I have already uh, predicted for uh, the Wrexham game, which just leaves you, Nick, to predict for for Wrexham. Uh, Just to to let you know, Clive's gone a 1-0 win with Pim Man of the Match. Alan's gone 2-1 win with DKD. I've agreed with Clive on Man of the Match, but also with Alan on the score. So, Nick, where are you going to go for Wrexham, please? 1-1, Flint. Excellent. Uh, Right, and we will also go with uh, Everton. Now, a reminder for Cup games, in particular the Everton game, because, of course, Wrexham goes to a replay. We are only looking for the score over 90 minutes. Victory penalty shootouts won't be counted. We're looking for the result at the end of the 90 minutes. Uh, Nick, you're up first. Oh, this is, I have no idea as to the competence of Everton's youth team. I'm going to go with 3-1 Stags. And your man, and of the- man of the match. I'm going to stick my mast at the Boateng fan club. I'm going to go rogue. I'm going to Go the only person who makes this guess here on Boateng. You deserve half points just for that. I should uh, have. Alan, you're next. Yeah, tough one. I will go two one stags win. And I will say James Gale. Oh, Clive. Gotta speak. <laughs> he just talks through the uh, through his name. His well, name I'm going to go. Man. I'm going to go for three-one win against the Toffees. 
And I'm going to say Mr. Clark is going to star. Okay, I am going to go for a 2-0 win. And I am going to definitely put my my uh, my clues to the mask. Kieran Wallace. Uh, no, I'm going to risk losing points and go with Flinders. I was just going to say, I bet you'll say Flinders, then. Uh, he should as play, as, surely. As always, get your guesses in by the link in the description. And uh, you must do so no later than one hour and one minute before kick-off for the respective games, which will be 6.44 on uh, Saturday and 5.59 on Tuesday. 7 o'clock kick-off for that one. And Good it is a seven o'clock kickoff on Tuesday night against Everton under 21s. So we'll see you at Allen's box at half time. 7.45, is it? 7.45 kickoff? Cl- Clive will be there on Monday, <laughs> Monday night at seven o'clock, <laughs> sat by the turnstile wondering why it's not open. <laughs> with a pie. With a pie. <laughs> with, a, with a confused look on his face. Now, I have just realised why we lost against Port Vale. For, for weeks, I have been bigging up the sausage rolls cooked by the West End Upper Kiosk. Oh. On, uh, ch- on on Tuesday night, I have to admit, they were absolutely... Oh, that, eh? Yeah, abs- they were absolutely... Yeah, not even worth not even worth the sensible, and they were shit. Uh, so that's why we lost. I knew when I t- took my first bite out of it that we would that we would uh, uh, that we'd lose. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, right. Uh, as always, thanks for all your comments, questions, and opinions uh, tonight. Um, it's all about moving on. The title of this episode has been called "Moving On." So finally, uh, to go round the the panel, I'll start with Clive, then go to Nick, and then finish with Alan. Can the Stags bounce back from that defeat and move on straight away, or Will it be a struggle few games? Clive, Nick, then Alan, and then we'll say goodbye. Of course they can. They will. Struggle. <laughs> Bounce back. Struggle. Struggle, Clive. We're going to, we're going to be tepid on Saturday. <laughs> Dear. Now, I we might still draw. I've gone for a draw, but I've gone for a tepid draw. They'll come out all guns blazing. Nigel will have a word with them. They'll they realise where they went wrong on Tuesday. They'll come out firing Saturday and it'll be, thank you very much, second round. Is that the butchers? <laughs> Nigel's gone and had a word with the butchers and sort of the rolls out. As long as the sausage rolls are fine, there's absolutely nothing to fear. Um, yeah. But after less than a year on this podcast, I've finally done it. I've finally passed my pessimism over to somebody else. <laughs> Only today. I know I'm going to win. I could just see it being tepid. we'll look forward to you joining us next time and discussing all and uh, giving you the new mantle of pessimism Uh, that is unfortunately all we've got time for uh, tonight my thanks as always to the Mansfield Matters podcast panel Defeat in the Carabao Cup on Tuesday night. Can the Stags bounce back in the FA Cup on Saturday evening? 7.45 against Wrexham live on Welsh Channel 4. Uh, Make sure you get yourself to One Course Stadium though to come and support the boys as we look to be moving on. Let's move on in the FA Cup to round two. Let's move on back to an unbeaten run. And let's move on back to high spirits. Let's get that pessimism away from Nick. 
let's get some positivity back into Nick with his shirt gathering and let's all continue to move on and enjoy a successful season. This is the show for the fans, by the fans. My thanks to all of the podcast panel tonight and of course to you guys for watching and for listening at home. Make sure you follow us on all things social media to find out when we're next going to be live and don't forget that the link for podcast predictions is in the description. Until next time, good night. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.